I wrote yesterday on Facebook that I was looking forward to being with all of you today. I don't know if any of you saw it, but um, I said that I was going to be sitting down to, to speak, and, and I think that for the moment I'm going to just stand, because I think, I think that's probably best. Um, turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to camp out in Ephesians chapter 3 for a couple of minutes. Holy smokes, folks. <laughs> Thanks. I may sit in that, and I may not. What a goon. I love you, David. I love you, David. Thank you for bringing a moment of laughter. I feel like this microphone's all wonky. Here we go. No, that's okay. It was me. Oh, oh you rested up. I get it talk about multitasking. Last week, Taylor preached, and now he's running sound. And he's got a weird ear, because it doesn't stick to mine. What? Okay. He says the other ear. Whatever. I'm just going to duct tape it to my face, and then we'll... This is the hardest, one of the hardest parts of leading worship and preaching on a Sunday morning. So keep praying with me for another worship leader to join us. I want to say thank you to Emma Hall for covering for me last week when I couldn't be here, and the whole team, and Taylor, and all of you for praying for me. Um, Really appreciate it. If you're a guest with us this morning, um, I'm sorry you walked into this, what I'm going to talk about here for a second. Um, About 12, 13 years ago, uh, my wife and I were helping plant a church in this North Seattle area, in the Everett area, and uh, I was doing tree work, and I've told the story before, but I was moving some heavy, heavy firewood, very large pieces of firewood with some uh, three other guys, and I mean, so I wasn't like trying to do something that I shouldn't, and, but I was moving that firewood on a piece of kind of off-kilter ground, and I, uh, I hurt my back. I took the whole lower discs and stuff, went sideways, and I had to crawl, and I went in, and they fixed me chiropractically, and I've had a couple of flare-ups of pain and stuff the last several years, and just probably this is like the third time it's happened, but this last week it went to a number 12. Some of you know, or 11. It went to 11. Some of you know what that means, but that's past 10. And um, if you don't know what that's from, okay, if you got the movie reference, raise your hands. It went to an 11. All right, six of you. Spinal tap. Yeah. Not one I'm recommending. Just saying. But anyone, anyway, this one goes to 11. So anyway, it was a really uh, painful experience and uh, forced me to go to an MRI. And I know you're all looking for an update, so I'm just going to give you a fast, fast update because I really want to make time for prayer and worship, actually, at the end of our time this morning. So um, basically what's happened, and I don't know, I could have put a picture up there, but that's kind of weird showing everybody your insides. So I decided that that might be a TMI thing. Um, But what's happened is essentially the last disc in my, which is the special spot between your vertebrae on your back, um, it had herniated, then bulged and ruptured. And the material that's inside that is now pushing against my spine and causing uh, intense flare-ups of pain down my left leg, which goes to 11. And my left foot, this is really ironic. Like you have this intense pain, like somebody stabbing you in the backside or in the leg, and then my foot is numb. So, you know, it's like, uh, maybe we could just balance that out. And, but, um, 
with a lot of prayer from you guys and my wife and my family helping take care of me and take some of the pressure off and working at home, uh, heat and ice and lots and lots of Tylenol, I've got the pain down to a really manageable level. Uh, my doctors are recommending me on for surgery at this point. So hopefully this week we'll be consulting with them to figure out what we got to do and, and we can just move on together as a family. And, uh, but I believe God's like teaching me stuff through the midst of it. Um, so I, I, that's like my update of where I'm at. Um, Wait a minute, did I even say my name if you're a guest? I don't even know if I introduced myself. If if I, like, I might invite Taylor to just come read this eventually because my brain is all over the place. It's amazing what happens in worship for me. I, like, yesterday morning, I told Heidi, I'm like, I am really down today. This is, I'm feeling this. Not, not just the pain, but I'm feeling like I've been on this stupid couch for weeks and I, like, need the world or something. And, and I pulled out my guitar and asked Emma to practice the new song with me, and, and it just changed my whole attitude. And this morning, even, being up here and worshiping with all of you, being in the presence of the Lord with all of you, um, while my pain and, and the, the limping and stuff doesn't go away from that, my mind is, is renewed, and I'm in a different place, um, which is really kind of what I want to talk about. We've been doing this series called Pray First and talking about prayer. Um, and as I've had a really rough time over the last few weeks, yes, did I do it again? I am your lead pastor. My name is Jamie Pagels. And this is the point where everybody goes, hi, Jamie. Thank you. Oh, boy. And now back to my notes. Jeez. All right, so here's the thing. When you're hurting and you can't seem to find much relief, it can be really, really hard to pray. Has anybody ever experienced that before? It's just really tough to pray. I mean, shoot, it's, some, it's really hard to pray sometimes when life is going well, right? When we're at the mountaintop experiences, like we've just like had this encounter with Jesus that has blown our life away and it radically changes, we, we can pray. We, we, we're like, yeah, I can pray now. But when we're coming down the other side of the mountain, continuing that journey, because everybody knows we don't live in those mountaintop experiences. We, that life is ups and downs, valleys and hills. And, you know, we're going down, the val- down into the valley or coming up or down in the bottom. It's really hard to pray. It's hard to pray because it feels like we're just throwing our words at a wall, right? I mean, like, well, just vomit a bunch of words. Maybe we'll make them sound quasi-religious and just flip them at the wall and see what happens. And it's what it feels like. It feels like there's nobody there. It can feel really pointless. But this last couple of weeks, as I've gone through this time of, of pain and, and really thinking about prayer in the midst of that, I wanted you to know that I've prayed anyway. I prayed anyway. Sometimes I prayed fervently. Sometimes I prayed silently. Sometimes I prayed with lots of groaning because it hurt. Sometimes I prayed as I went to sleep. Sometimes they were arrow prayers where I'm just like, Jesus, take this away. Jesus, help this stop. Jesus, help me sleep. Jesus, help me stop flipping over so I can sleep. Jesus, help my wife to sleep because I'm groaning. And just these arrow prayers. Sometimes I, I prayed the Psalms. And as uh, we've kind of been doing this as a church, and I, and I want to be honest with you, I haven't been real consistent and faithful with it because of stuff going on, but I've tried to, to come back to it, and sometimes it's not in the morning or the evening, but I'm trying to find times where I'm like, I'm going to just be with Jesus now. And, and reading those Psalms, it's, it's fascinating, the, the, the things that you hear and the prayers that come out of it. You know, I'm reading things like, your love, O Lord, extends and reaches to the heavens. So if it can reach the heavens, it can reach me. So Jesus, I need your love in this moment. 
God, your faithfulness extends to the sky. Don't, don't abandon me now. Your faithfulness is so great. Be with me. Continue your love toward me. That's from Psalm 36. And then Psalm 37 starts right out with, don't fret because of evil. Don't fret because of pain. Don't give up soul. Don't just keep pressing in. Keep holding on. Keep, and it's encouraging to pray these prayers. I wouldn't say that I am a good prayer. I'm not a good person that's good at praying. I think some people are gifted for this. It's a spiritual gift that they have that while nobody is born as a Christian that just knows how to pray, you have to learn. Some people just, they start learning and they go, Whew. but me, it's been a lifetime of, of patient trial and error and working at it and throwing my words at the wall sometimes and sometimes connecting with God in ways that I could have never imagined. And you just keep going at it. And, and I pray, and when it's hard and when it's confusing, I've learned that I still need to pray. But the question is, why? So let me share a prayer with you from Ephesians chapter 3 that I think explains why. And I really believe that it, while this is a prayer of the Apostle Paul for the Ephesians, I think it's a prayer that he was actually praying unknown to himself prophetically for the church of all ages of all times and for us even today. And what he is praying is accessible to us. In other words, he has made this prayer and God has answered it and we just need to access the answer. Does that make a little bit of sense? It may not, but let me, keep, let me read this to you and see if it does. Ephesians 3, chapter four, uh, <laughs> Ephesians 3 verses 14 through 21. It says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, and this is where it applies to all of us, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Right, now that explains it, right? So go pray or something. It's clear. It's beautiful, at least, if it's not clear. I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about prayer this morning because I want to spend some time worshiping and praying. But I think that there's some really important things that we can learn about prayer and what is available to us as Christians because of prayer this morning. And the first thing that I really want to point out is right at the beginning, we're going to start, and I'm basically just going to walk through this, this, these verses and kind of teach them to you a little bit. So he starts with this. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. I just want to briefly point this out. Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the, the Father. You know, and I really appreciate Paul's detail here. I can almost see it happening. It's like the weight of what's going on in the church in, in Ephesus, the weight of what's happening there is so heavy on Paul that he actually sinks to his knees and he prays, which was not an easy thing for Paul to do because... By this time in his life, he had been beaten so many times and had been shipwrecked so many times that he was likely very arthritic. Like kneeling down would be a painful thing for him to do, but his, his, the weight of what's happening around him and his love for this church and these people has driven him to his knees. And he comes down on his knees and he prays. But here's the thing that I want to point out about this is that Paul's 
statement about coming onto his knees and praying is a situational prayer thing. It's a situational posture. You don't have to pray on your knees. So if you have never prayed before or you're just learning how to pray and you hear people say, let's, let's go to our knees, I want you to know that you don't have to. I mean, this is how I was taught early on in life. I was taught to, like, when we were going to go to bed, right? How many of you have bedtime prayers as children? A few of you? Bedtime prayers as children? So here's what my mom did with me when I was young. Probably my daughter's age at seven, six, seven years old. She would have me get out, and we would kneel next to my bed, and we would fold our hands like this, and we'd close our eyes real tight, and we would pray this prayer. We would say, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake... Pray the Lord my soul to take. How are you supposed to sleep after praying that? Jeez, you know, I was like all fine. I was thinking about Scooby-Doo a minute ago, but now I'm like, I'm going to die. What's going to happen? And I'm like, going to have this soul snatcher come into my room. It's like, and like, what if I didn't die? And he gets mixed up, you know? It's like, I got to kneel and it's, ah. What I'm getting at, though, is not that that prayer is horrible, because it's a fine prayer, and it comes out of the Middle Ages when people really did die in the middle of the night, and they really did hope that God took your soul and, you know, you didn't suffer. But you can pray anywhere, in any time, and in any position. How you are right now is a perfectly acceptable position for prayer. Um, as I'm standing, this is another way I can pray, or maybe... You are laying down on your couch for weeks on end because you've got pain in your legs. It is a perfectly acceptable place to pray. In fact, some of my best prayers have come in those places. You can pray anywhere at any time. Like, I've prayed laying down, going into surgery. Jesus, help me wake up from this anesthesia. Going underneath a radiation machine. Jesus, help me endure the suffering that I'm having to go through in order to be healthy. Or how about in your car? You can do that sitting down, right? You're in traffic. Lord, could you move these morons out of the way? (laughs) Hopefully, you say, sorry, Lord. That was totally, totally out of my broken, sinful self. You love those people just as much as you love them. Would you build in me patience to endure the drive across town? Now, if you're from the west side of the state, that prayer is real, right? West siders, (laughs) if you've been in traffic over there. But I want to say, for us, us townies here in Pullman, when the students are around, it's just as real. When you're trying to go from your house to Safeway and it takes you 10 minutes, you're at that light and you're like, curse you, university, take your students away. I love you. <laughs> See, it is totally out of that broken, sinful self. But we do get hot under the collar, just so you know. In this particular case, Paul says he goes to his knees before God in prayer. And I want to encourage you, while you can pray in any position, at any place, at any time, anywhere, that there is a purpose to moving your body in prayer. There is a place and a time, and actually it's a really important thing, because our bodies and and minds and our spirits are not separate things. We like to try to make them separate. We like to say, oh, we come to church and we engage in our spirituality, and then we go to work and we, you know, engage in the whatever physical world, and we try to keep them separate. We live separate lives, but God's never intended that. So prayer actually is a way that we can unify our spirit, mind, body, soul, the whole package— before God, and we can prepare our hearts to actually worship, to actually pray by putting ourselves in a posture of prayer. So when I ask you to stand and worship, what I'm asking you to do is not, 
I want you to be uncomfortable. I'm not asking you to do Pilates and the ups and downs. I'm asking you to posture yourself as though God were actually here. When the president walks into the room, what does everybody do? Right, State of the Union address, right? I didn't watch it this year, but I assume it happened. The president walked in the room. Even the people that don't like the guy stood up. It's a sign of respect. When God walks in the room, we stand up. There are times when we are praying and we acknowledge our weakness. We acknowledge the strength of God. And kneeling is a great way to do this. It's a way that we show reverence. Whenever something is really weighing on our shoulders, really weighing on our heart, and we really want to get God's um, mind on things, and we want to put ourselves in this posture of, Lord, I, I am weak and you are strong, so I kneel before you. Something happens in our hearts. We change our posture and we change our mindset. So I want to encourage you, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. There's no right or wrong position of prayer because God is always present, but it's good to think about what your posture is saying as you pray. So based on the need and your heart and the moment, I want to encourage you this week to try a different posture in prayer. Don't just try the same old thing. You know, just close your eyes, bow your head. You know, maybe try praying with your eyes open. Try praying with your hands outlifted. Jesus, I need to receive something from you today. Holy Spirit, I need something from you. Maybe it's a standing. You, you've been sitting all day, and you need to, you need to change your posture because God's present. I'm going to stand in his presence. Or maybe the need is so great that you can't bear it anymore, and you go down to your knees. And maybe it's so great that you go down to your face. Because I've done this, face down, laying on the floor, hands out. One of the, one of the most bizarre experiences with God I've ever had came from that. I was in this moment of just like, God, I can't do this anymore. The, the way forward doesn't seem clear. It was when I was in college. It was like everything seemed messed up. I didn't see a future for me. And, and I was just, I was like on the floor with two friends and we were praying together. And all of a sudden, this joy of the Lord came upon me in such a way that I'd never experienced it before. God, I've got no joy left. And yet he filled me with his joy. And I laughed. It was weird. Laughed out loud. And God was in it, laughing with me. So try it. Try it out. Move your posture. Change it up. Try it, try it. You may like it. You will see. It's not as bad as green eggs at ham, I promise. Why green eggs? My goodness, that's in green ham is off, I'm telling you. All right. I wrote this in a lot of pain, so I'm hoping this makes sense, ladies and gentlemen. This is, I'm usually a lot more funny than this. So I'm not very funny today. Um, all right. You still love me, though. So what? I've covered, what, all of four words? We've got the rest of this to get through, and I want to do other things, so let's move on, shall we? Now, Paul goes on. He says, I pray out of his glorious riches. That's in verse 16. So this was written around AD 60, AD 60, after death, 60, 60 years after Jesus died. Um, and this was a, a, a period of really intense persecution for the church during those days, especially um, in the region of Ephesus. Uh, and what would happen is if you said that you were a Christian, what you faced it was basically treason charges. And they would confiscate all your property. They would take your job. They would take your business. They could take your family away into slavery. There was all kinds of risks involved in saying that you were a Christian. And this was going on. And at the same time, now Paul is writing to these people. He hears what's going on in Ephesus, and he writes to them to encourage them in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of their trials, in the midst of what's going on. But get this, Paul himself has got his own stuff going on. He is in chains for the gospel, is what it says. He has been 
uh, arrested by the Romans, and he has been brought before person after person all through the Roman Empire, and he's made his way to Rome, and he is riding from Rome in chains after being beaten and persecuted and nearly killed and shipwrecked twice. Here he is in Rome, crippled hands, arthritis throughout his body. He is probably really, really ugly because his face has been beaten and stoned multiple times. And he is writing to this church in Ephesus who is facing great trial and persecution to encourage them. And he says, I pray out of his glorious riches. See, the Ephesians were facing that confiscation of property. They were, if, if they were facing the loss of all of their riches. And Paul says, you know, you may be impoverished monetarily. You may be impoverished physically. You may be impo- impoverished with authority or power. You have no power to change your situation, no power to stop this stuff from happening. But guess what? I pray out of God's glorious riches out of his glorious riches. When Paul is praying, he's recognizing that his heavenly father has every spiritual blessing in heaven available to him, and it's available to his children. We have access to the riches of God's kingdom in the spiritual realms, okay? In, in, in this world that we can't see, but we access through worship and through prayer, this, this relationship that we access to God, all the riches of God's kingdom are available to his children, and yet we walk around like impoverished children. I'm praying to a gloriously rich God, a God who has vast amounts of goodness and treasures and, and wonders at his disposal. In Ephesians, uh, elsewhere, in verse 1-3, he says this, I thank my God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing from the heavenly realms. In other words, not only does God have access to this, he starts this whole book by saying, not only does he, you have access, but he has given it to you. You have the riches of heaven contained in you. Every spiritual blessing. He was saying, God has already made available to us every possible spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, and this is the God to whom I pray. In Philippians, he says it this way. He says, I pray that God, out of his glorious riches, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches. Every need that you have, he's got the provision for it. We serve an infinitely spiritually rich heavenly Father, and yet, Many of us walk around like impoverished children. We serve a God who has every blessing available to us, and he desires to give those blessings to us. And yet we often pray for these small, little, general prayers. We ask for just just what we need. God, I don't want to be a problem. This is what's been going on in my house. Heidi's like, you need to lay on the couch. I'm like, I am tired of being a burden. I'm, I, I want to get up and help. I want to do stuff. You need to take, you need to rest or this is going to get hurt. And I'm like, I love you. I don't want to be a burden. And I think we come to God this way. You know, we're, we can do it ourselves. We can, like, if this three foot section of space is the problem, we know we can get ourselves at least two and a half feet of that. So all we need is that one half foot from God. So God, would you just give me this? We pray these tiny little prayers. But Paul prays massive prayers. And he's inviting us to pray some massive prayers. He goes on to say this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with what? 
let's try that again. He may strengthen you with what? That's a little closer to it. It's a little closer to what this is in here. He may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Where? In your inner being. He's not saying that he may strengthen you in your checking account or your gas tank or your bills, but that he would strengthen you in your inner being. Why did he pray that? This is the reason. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. There's the first time that this is the first time we're going to see this pattern that Paul uses. It's the so that pattern. He says, I pray, and I pray to this God, and this is what it looks like, so that you may be. You may be strengthened with power, is what he says here. The Greek word that is translated as power here is dunamis. And I love love using Greek words because it makes me sound really smart, right? Um, You're all thoroughly impressed right now because I said dunamis, I can tell. But get this, I, I only wanted to pull this out because of this, because what that word actually means is not power, but it's explosive power. It's actually the word where we get our word dynamite. Yeah, literally, dunamis dynamite. That's where we get the word. It's explosive, supernatural power, and Paul says it's available to you, that this is something that you have authority to access in your life. And yet so many of us, are just not tapping into what's available to us. We're not accessing this explosive, supernatural, spiritual power because we don't actually think it works, I think. Let me give you an example. Uh, our first house, um, let me, I should preface it with this. When it comes to being a handyman, when we first bought our house, I was not handy. <laughs> There's this old statement that says, if your wife doesn't find you handsome, she should at least find you handy. And I was struggling on both ends at the time. And so I've managed to improve in both, I think. And so the first year in our house there, we they had just remodeled this whole house, and it was great. It was wonderful. It was brand-new sink and brand-new garbage disposal. It was swell. And, and I loved having a garbage disposal. I'm like, you know, coffee grounds, vroom, pineapples, vroom. You know, just like, it's like man stuff right there, right? Garbage disposal, that's a man tool. We're just, oh, power, it's eating things. It's so exciting. One day I'm using the garbage disposal, and it goes, bah! and it stops working. Thought, oh no, I broke it. And I turned the switch on, I turned it off, and it just on and on, and it wouldn't work. It wouldn't, it wouldn't do anything. It just sat there and did nothing. So I didn't know what to do about it, so I left it. Heidi, the garbage disposal's broke. Don't put anything down the garbage disposal anymore. I'm sure she was probably thinking, you put everything down the garbage disposal. It wasn't me. And I'm like, oh, whatever, I broke it. So. But my father-in-law, who is extremely handy, he's the guy that comes to your house, and when he opens the front door and it squeaks, 15 minutes later, he's looking for the the WD-40 to fix that. Or if there's a light bulb out in the bathroom, he's like, where's your light bulbs? And he fixes it. So he comes into my house, and I don't even know. He doesn't do dishes, but somehow or another, he got to the garbage disposal, and it's like, it's like, your garbage disposal's broke. Thank you, Sherlock. (laughs) Garbage disposal's broke. And... I'm like, yep, sure is. You going to do something about that? I turned it on and off. I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> He's like, is, was there an Allen wrench underneath the sink? You know, he says, you know, those little hexagonal L-shaped keys that are under, you know, those things. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, you mean this thing? And I pull out this giant silver hexagon key. He goes, yeah. Did you look underneath it to see that there's a little hole for that? No. Why don't you stick it in there and give that a try? So I stuck the thing in there, and I turned it once, 
I turned it twice. I'm expecting to take the garbage disposal apart. He's like, now try it. We turned it on. And it works. We went like two weeks without a garbage disposal because I was such an idiot. I didn't know that you could fix this thing. But here's the thing. We can go an entire lifetime, an entire lifetime thinking this thing's broken. And so we just don't access it. It doesn't work. I'm just throwing words at the wall. But Paul says, no, I'm praying that you be strengthened with power, power, explosive spiritual power that is accessing all of the riches of God, all of his goodness, all of his strength. This stuff is to overcome all of your brokenness. It's to, it's to help you have strength to go through the pain. It's to help you have strength to deal with the relationship, to walk righteously before God, to build new relationships, to learn how to live in the new family of God. We have access to this. But we have to ask for it, and we have to access it. In prayer, we receive power. But power for what? He goes on. I pray that he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So first of all, that you've got power that Christ would live in you at all times. And it's not just a separated moment where I sense Christ's presence in me when I'm at church, but when I'm at work on Tuesday morning, because everybody knows Tuesday is like the plainest day of the week. Monday is the worst. Friday is the best, but Tuesday is the most plain, right? And that's that moment, that day, Tuesday, where you have the strength and the power of God in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted in and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you, not just your neighbor, not just the pastor, not just the spiritual authority or leader or the person that wrote the book that you're reading right now or the sermon you're listening to online or the the conference that you went to, you know, all these places that we like to access spiritual things they're saying not for those people for you so that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of god that jesus would dwell in your hearts that you may be rooted in love and that you might begin to grasp just like i'm beginning to get it like i began to grasp that the garbage disposal had a way to be fixed that you can grasp not just that you can be fixed but that god has love for you And that there are edges to that love, but you're never going to find them. How high, how wide, how deep is the measure of of God? To be filled, he says, with the measure of God. The fullness of God. That's a huge, massive statement. It starts with this, that God's love is equal to his power. You ever thought about that? All of God's power flows out of his love. It says, beloved, let us love one another, for God is love. That is what God is. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. And so all of his power flows of the fact that he is love. And God's love and his power are equal. We don't just serve a God who is thunder and lightning and very, very frightening and creates all these things. God is love. God is love. Paul pulls or prays that that word, that they would have power to measure God's love. That they would have, and he says, this, he says that you would have the measure of God's love. Who's measurement? You know, if I got a cup here and I want it full of coffee, I don't want an 8-ounce coffee when I go to the coffee shop. You people who buy 8-ounce coffees are crazy. Okay, I don't want 8 ounces of caffeine. I want the 20-ouncer. 
exactly. The quad shot, if I could get bigger than 20 ounces, I'm in. And that's what we're saying here, that God says you can have the full measure of his love. The fullness of what God is, you have access to it. It's for you. I better hurry up. I'm not getting all preachy. I've forgotten that I hurt. <laughs> it's kind of cool, yeah. All right, I like this word rooted, and I want to I kind of finish up with this, this thought. I like this word rooted. He says that you may be established and rooted in this love, that all of God is, all of his love and all of his power, that you would be rooted in that. When I was at Arborist, I learned, well, I probably learned it before this. I'm probably not that dumb at this point in my life, but trees have roots, right? <laughs> Surprise! Like, oh, I thought they just had leaves. No, they got roots. And, and the roots go down deep into the soil. And what they do down there is not just hold the tree up. What they are doing is somehow, magically, they are sucking water out of dirt. They are drawing from the deepest. They don't just like, oh, I found a well. They are literally sucking water from dirt. And that water is rising up inside of them. And did you know that trees actually leak? They leak. Out of their leaves, they actually leak water into the air, and it uses surface tension, and it's really cool science-y stuff that I could explain to you, but I'm not going to. So the, it's drawing out of the soil, water up through their tree trunk, through the, and then their leaves, and out into the air. They also leak whenever they get hurt. You break a limb, a car hits it, and it cuts the bark, and it leaks. It leaks sap, right? And sap is just water and glucose. It's, it's all the sugars and things like that that are in the body of the tree, and it make it sticky and, and hard and all that nastiness. They leak. They leak what they are drawing out of the soil. They leak what they are rooted in. And I realize that people leak too. See, Paul's prayer is that you would be rooted, and this is my prayer for you, be rooted and established in love. Not just an experience of God's presence, but rooted in his presence day in and day out. That you would be rooted in the full measure of God and his love for you. Not just because it sounds nice, but so that you would leak what you were rooted in. That you would leak what you were rooted in. That when you are walking around on Tuesday, that you would be leaking the presence of God to other people. That you would be leaking the love of God. That you would be leaking the power of God, that you would be leaking faith, that you would be leaking Jesus. All of us leak, okay? And if you have been rooted and established in anxiety and fear, when hard times come, guess what's going to leak? Anxiety and fear. When you have been rooted and established in control, guess what's going to leak when things get tough? You're going to want to control Paul's prayer and my prayer for you is that you would be rooted and established not in anxiety, not in fear, not in stress, not in money, not in making your own way, but that you'd be rooted and established in love so that you would leak love, so that you would leak Jesus. Imagine these people hearing Paul's words. They're probably really skeptical. This isn't even possible. Rooted and established in love, the full measure of God, of the universe. So like, we're talking He-Man times 10. Like, this is off the scales. I can't imagine it. He keeps adding on, and he's saying, it's like, you're rooted and established in it. Christ is dwelling in you. The fullness of God is in you. Now live it out. Access this power so that God's glory is seen. Pray big prayers like this. 
I know that I pray very generally a lot of times. We have bedtime uh, with Emma, or not Emma, we don't do this quite the same anymore. I don't go down and, you know, she's almost 16. Next week, she's 16, guys. Holy cow. With Amelia, I'm like, Jesus, be with Amelia tonight as she sleeps. Be in her thoughts and in her dreams. Protect her and keep her safe. Amen. I've caught myself praying that over and over again. How general is that? I, like, all I really want is, is for her to have good dreams and to be safe. It's all I really want for my daughter. The other night, I'm like, as I'm doing this, I'm like, Jesus, I pray that Amelia would be rooted and established in love. I pray that she would experience your strength and your power as she goes through life and that she would be shaped into a, a daughter of God. I pray for Isaac. God, make my son a man of character and wisdom and a man of courage and strength. I'd been like, it's easy to fall into the rhythm of asking small things, but we want to ask God for big things. And that's what I want to invite you to do this morning. You may have never prayed before, but that's okay. I want to pray together and get in groups of, of two or three or four to do this. Uh, and the worship team is going to come and we're going to like lightly play some music. And then we're going to close in worship. And I want to give you some time. Uh, when I started this, I wanted to give you a half an hour, but I underestimated the fact that I haven't preached in two weeks and I've been storing up a lot of words, and God had a lot to say here. I want to encourage you to get in groups of two or three and to share with one another a big prayer need in your life. This is something that is way beyond me. This is, this is beyond the two and a half feet that I can do. I, it's out here at six feet, and I need this to happen in my life. It may be a healing. It may be uh, wisdom for a way forward. It may be financial provision. I don't know what's going on. But I want you to share with one another. Get in groups of people that you know, and if you don't know anybody, that's okay. Somebody will invite you in and be as vulnerable as you can. And then I want you to pray for one another, to lay hands on each other and pray that they would have strength and power to see this thing through. In fact, that's the word that I feel like the Lord is saying to us today. And I, I had, my initial sermon had it in there like five times, and I cut it for some stupid reason, to see it through. Would you say that with me? See it through. To see this need through with the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And knowing it's not you doing it, it, it is God. All right? So let's do that. Um, get in groups of two or three. Share with, share with one another for a few minutes. And we can pray. We can take as long as we need until you have to go eat. And um, I'll close this up in a few minutes. Is that, is that clear? Is it clear what I'm asking you to do? Because, okay, thank you, Rob. Go. <laughs>